There is a place where fears and fantasies get weighed with substance alone. Legends and lores are examined in fresh light. Conspiracy theory meets conspiracy fact. Abandon your defenses. Embrace the possibilities. Step beyond the threshold into other realms. You're listening to Threshold Radio. I'm Anthony K. With me is Sam Moranto and John Stevenson. On today's show, we have Suzanne Taylor, Michael Clean, Alfred Lindbergh, and much more. Stay tuned. Right after this quick commercial break, we're going to start off right away with Alfred Lemberg. TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Kopp Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit UFO-info. With the month of October and Halloween fast approaching, we want you, the listener, to share your creepy stories with us. Call us, email us, text us your personal story, your local legends, and folklore. Every week in October, we'll read your story on air. You can even read it yourself if you're not afraid. Call or text us at 708-966-9UFO. 708-966-9836 or email John directly at ghost1 at bachelors-grove.com Thank you and we look forward to your stories. Welcome back to Thresholds Radio. We have Alfred Lindbergh on the phone. How are you doing, Alfred? I'm uh, doing fine, and I'm prepared to unscrute the inscrutable. Well, I'm uh, glad you called, actually. I've, I've uh, come across a couple of things that might be interesting. Uh, one is the uh, the latest uh, uh, Crop Circle documentary by a woman by the name of Su- Suzanne Taylor. And uh, the the name of the... Uh, of the of the documentary is what on earth inside the crop circle mystery and uh what was really interesting about this whole crop circle thing is you know first of all you can't really shake a stick at it you can't call them crap circles there's entirely too much going on in their regard to be uh, dismissible or in any way dismissed and i've discovered that there are some some uh, top drawer high level uh uh excellently and sublimely thinking people that uh, that are interested in them and if this caliber of person can be interested in them then uh I mean, I, I just think I, the individual has to be interested in them. I can't see how you can't be. You can't find any reason for how some of those happen. They're just not possible. <laughs> well, okay, uh, consider this. 
submitted for the approval of one's needlessly impacted colon. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and, and what I want to talk about here is Occam's razor. And I think Occam's razor is one of those things that is errantly used, okay, to, to adhere preferentially, preferentially, mind you, uh, to the uh, most prosaic hypothesis as the default one. That's what they're all about. Uh, you know, like uh, it's, uh, if you have a choice between two answers, pick the simplest answer and you're always going to be true. And, and people use that in a reflexive manner that I think uh, is, does, well, does not do us credit. You know, for, for instance, you know, uh, uh, seeing uh, equine or horse-like tracks in a field, for instance, you know, we're, we're patronized don't theorize zebras where horses are expected. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then with equal smugness, we're also warned, uh, uh, don't look for evidence of alternative intelligence in crop formations where the activities of misinforming, misinformed, or mentally ill people are involved. Okay? Right. And uh, I suspect that this is an error of understanding. I think it's an error of employment. I think it's an error of attitude with regard to the whole Occam theme. And and uh, more to the point, and this is kind of an illustration, Aristotle, it's argued, and this is Aristotle's eminently self-limiting. Aristotle's all about science, all right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, well, the point being that Aristotle just fails to deliver on issues that uh, that are beyond the, the purely mechanical. And, uh, you know, case in point, we are driven into the arms of Plato after that, you know, and Plato being more about the spiritual, okay? Right. With regard to Occam, I, I offer that... Uh, 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 instead, okay, that always satisfying Occam is not even what Occam himself proposed, okay? It, it may be that this, this wrongfully fearful reluctance to complicate a hypothesis is actually a measure of how much imagination we lack or even how unbrave we are, okay? And, 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 and sometimes, you have to consider one is is forced to complicate the hypothesis of needs you have to do it you can't get around it we got to go somewhere else you know but looks for the simple answer all the time exactly and two you know i i have to warn you that that uh, that uh, any anybody warning you about crossing the line into fantasy as a result okay mm -hmm. is is really missing the point by an obligatory parsec and they're missing a lot of fun too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Excellent point. Excellent point. It's it's. But 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 uh, seriously, today's fantasy is ever tomorrow's reality. And oh. indeed, as we humanity, as as humanity, as we think it, you know, time passes, and you know, less time all the time, and. Whatever we were thinking is so. All I have to say, really, at this point, is that the actuality we endure in in uh, just making a mess of the whole thing, and you, you know, like like not being able to dependably draw a line between uh, a fantasy and and reality. Again, because they have goalposts moving all over the field, or even on the other side of town, or even across the freaking galaxy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, it, in fact, yeah, I'll tell you what, man. It's argued that that fantasy begets reality in the same fashion that order leaps from chaos. You know, we don't know what's going on. 
I mean, Haldane, uh, uh, Terrence, uh, quoting Terrence, McQu uh, Terrence McKinnon now, he talks about this philosopher, uh, last name Haldane, I can't remember his first name, but he's the guy that, that uh, and you've heard this before, truth is not only stranger than we imagine, but it's stranger than we can imagine. You've, you've heard that before, right? Yeah. Well, see, we're clueless. We're largely clueless to, to any of that imagining. That's true, and, and some of us a lot more than others. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, in fact, those errant employers of Occam that you're talking about right there uh, uh, remain pretty smug. And they act so confident that they're unearned and they're unqualified and, and so absurd hubris will continue to show that their understanding is enough to validate their worldviews, forever crediting a, a, a science ironically enjoyed. As Some of them are just so closed-minded, it's just black and white to them. It's just one <laughs> thing, that's it. True, true, dude. And I'll tell you what, they're, they're whistling loudly as they cross the existential graveyard, too. I think. <laughs> so, so anyway, getting to the point now, crop circles, you know, like... like uh, what are they? Are, what are they? Are they? Are they sundry incarnations of Doug and Dave? Are they a Gaia consciousness? Or are they crop circling motherships? We don't know. We don't know, man. We're talking monkeys. We definitely do know some of them are man-made, uh, but you know some of them aren't. <laughs> well, there's no way, and I'll tell you what. There's a whole lot going on with those crop circles that uh, can demonstrably demonstrate their their genuineness you know uh, there's so much going on in there with regard to uh, energy fields that can be measured uh, woven patterns that could not have existed or, or been uh, been made in the in any time allowed for their, for or their in a lot of cases the wheat's bent over but it's not even broke Exactly, and still growing, by the way. Right, and you saw that one where they had an actual DNA pattern out of crop circle. I mean, in heaven's name, could a person do that? Yeah, yeah. At any rate, cutting to the chase now. Talking about Susan Taylor as, as the uh, the producer of the uh, the uh, crop circle documentary that we're talking about. You know, we've we've wandered we far. <laughs> Just, you know, always a good time. But uh, Susan Taylor was a character actor, okay, and a really talented character actor, of a uh, pretty conspicuous credit. You know, and I mean, she was a woman that was even stealing scenes from the, from the likes of Mary Tyler Moore and Bill Bixby, for God's mm -hmm. sakes. I don't know how old uh, how old you are. How old are you? I hate to say, <laughs> I'm I'm 52. <laughs> I feel 20. Okay, well you well I'm 63 and I I remember the dial uh, the dial soap lady because she did a whole string of really popular commercials that you always saw on prime time. Mm -hmm. I mean you saw her all the time. So you know 51, 63. Uh, you were uh, yeah you probably you probably weren't uh, cognizant of you know prime time commercials then. But anyway, you know, she just did a lot of things, and she, uh, uh, you know, has just a lot of, of talent uh, across the board in all sorts of different areas. She's a, a summa cum, cum laude graduate of New York U U University. She's a, a tireless, natural student of the obvious trans-existential. And, you know, more to the point, and the exploration of what we're talking about here, is that she's a producer of really compelling film documentaries of, of significant note regarding crop circles and what have you. I'll have to look into that because I'm just intrigued by crop circles. I think that that's an excellent subject. 
Well, she has done, I'll tell you what, the uh, she's she's put the period, I think, on what we're going on because on uh, what crop circles are about and, and what's going on with them uh, as a result of this of as a result of some of the things that she didn't discover herself, but she is certainly able to report competently on. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Remembering that truth is stranger than we can imagine. We were talking about that, er- about that earlier. Right. And re- remembering that that is so, and this alien intellecty that may be dealing somehow with these crop circles in some kind of communicational thing or some kind of art thing, or I mean, do, I right. mean. Who can even speculate? Because we're talking monkeys, for God's sakes. Who can even speculate in what what the program might be? <laughs> exactly. but, but, they're, but they're masquerading, dude. These uh, the this other this alien is masquerading as a simple interplanetary or a simple spaceman, so it doesn't alarm us with regard to the actual thing that they're doing. You know what they actually are, their composition, their their uh, their uh, their agenda, okay? And right. and I'm not just sucking that that up out of my thumb. Uh, 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 Terence McKenna and, and Jacques Vallée talk about that. Mm-hmm. Okay? But to this point now, a question gets begged, all right? That and and uh, Suzanne Taylor really put this out there for us is how would this conjectured unspeakable or unutterable other i mean vastly superior in every regard to the to the point of that same same inexpressibility and and understanding us as a nascent humanity only too well okay how might this entity apart approach an emerging humanity at all and, you know, presuming that for argument that they're not like us and, and aspiring first for some kind of domination, control, or subjugation thing like we do, right? Mm-hmm. And that, you know, prefer, preferring for reasons all their own also to have us keep a, a shred of our self-respect or, or some kind of a sense of security in, in this ex- exchange that they're involving us in, okay? Would they know that a that a singularly non-threatening contact might be communicated in something we could eat? Implying, see, that it's a nourishing thing, perhaps, and 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 something leading leading to to some kind of new growth, okay? And and you know, further on, further on than that, might they not first go halves on us, you know, mm-hmm. on on an observation that we've shared already? Okay, about the nature of reality, and that would be apropos of of that which we ourselves have have demonstrated an understanding of since before the common area. And here's where I get ready to drop the big bomb. Here's the big bomb. Okay, revealed squaring the circle. Do you know what squaring the circle is? No, not offhand. Well, I'm no mathematician and I'm no expert in it myself, but it's a process where by way of using only a straight edge and a compass and nothing else, no measurement or anything like that, to and to draw or construct a square out of an available circle. You know, make a circle. Boom. Correct. It has a circumference. Circumference. It has an area. Right. Mm-hmm. So now, from that, from that information only, using a, a straight edge and a compass only, no measurement, construct a square that has the per- the perimeter of that square equal to the circle or the area 
of that square equal to the area of the squircle, uh, uh, square of the circle. Okay. Right. Now, why is that important? Okay, it's important because because squaring the circle is reflected in in all the architecture uh, that we have all through time and in all civilizations. Okay, that simple little thing, squaring the circle. They they build it into everything. Why do they do that? Well, simply enough. It's a symbol of humankind's relationship with with the divine. All right, it's a it's a marriage of God and and uh, well as God is as is symbolized by the circle and the right. human being as symbolized by the square. See the relationship there. It's a wedding of the spiritual and the mechanical. It's total reality. You know, as above, so below. Oh, right. more, one more. As above, see? As above, so below. As above, it's a circle, see? Mm -hmm. It's the symbol of the Greek form, uh, or, or the Greek word uh, meaning, uh, well, the Greek word agape, meaning the highest form of love. That's why squaring the circle is important. Okay? That's interesting. Yeah, are you with me so far there? Yeah. I'm not sucking this up, up out of my thumb. I'm, I'm sucking it up out of uh, Su Suzanne Taylor's thumb. And, you know, it's quite pleasant, actually. <laughs> well, actually, this is probably the Crop Circle show. She is actually on today's show uh, coming up right after uh, They you, just Alfred. had her on Future Theater, uh, um, uh, well, last Saturday, and, and she was absolutely entrancing. Yeah, just an unbelievable woman to listen to. Anyway. Anyway, with regard to squaring the circle, and as I said before, okay, human beings can get close. You know, we can get close to doing that. You know, we, we can't do it because, uh, because pi is what's known as a transcendental number. So, every, you, uh, you know, pi being that uh, 3.14 and then, you know, just an unending stream of digits. You remember that, right? Yeah, right. Okay. So, uh, uh, we can get close is the point we can almost draw you know we can almost square the circle and uh uh but uh, but here's 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 the problem see before 1983 as we're informed by by suzanne taylor and if we were to comb the literature for that kind of thing you know you could only find four or five ways to square the circle in the mm -hmm. in the manner that i've described with uh with using using only a compass and only a straight edge all right only four or five ways now I can I can report that every one of those ways and every one that I looked at are they're they're tortured, they're they're ugly, they're inelegant, you know they they they're just nasty looking. All right, okay. What happens after 1983? Well, worked into the serial formations of even the earliest circles. Taylor demonstrated pretty well that there are currently recognized jaw-dropping solutions to that old age problem, all right? And moreover, they are simple, they are elegant, and they are beautiful. There's about 50 of them after 1983. We've got some 50 ways to square the circle, and some of those are really pretty. But we got the pretty ones from crop circles. How's that grab you? Well, that's actually pretty cool. We, got, we had some help from above. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, it's... it's uh, uh, I mean, who can say? Who can say? Now, again, before 1983, we got four or five ugly ways, and after 1983, and and I mean, mapped out in the first first few crop circles. All right, are these these different ways to to square the circle? Now, 
Who steps forward to claim ownership of all those astounding solutions to this age-old problem? No one. No one steps forward. They're only the circles, you see. Right. There are only these enigmatic circles. And, and speaking in a logos that can be beheld as holistic elements, okay, in a, in a, in a language that's breathtakingly beautiful. Just unbelievable stuff. Where did we do that before 1983? You know, here's here's the point of the, this whole thing. You know how the skeptibunkies are always whining about, uh, okay, you got your extraordinary claim, but that requires extraordinary evidence. <laughs> exactly. Right? Well, okay, here's the extraordinary claim. Crop circles mean something. Your extraordinary evidence where'd all those squaring the circle solutions come from? Correct. Yeah, when the crap circles actually start telling you information you don't previously know, you, you know there's something a little unusual about them. Exactly, exactly. So that, uh, that, that, that winds up what, what I had to say on uh, Suzanne Taylor. It's, well, you know, c considering, the, considering the take, you know, here we have Gary McKinnon, who is... Uh, uh, well, he's specially abled. You know, he has a disability. He has Asperger's syndrome. He uh, uh, he's using uh, uh, drugs at the time, and he's doing all of this on a dial-up connection using his mom's computer. All right, dial-up too. My gosh. Yes. You know, I think that. I don't think I don't think we're stretching anything by by uh, indicating that Gary McKinnon was probably pretty much you know God bless him but uh, pretty much a third rate hacker if he was any kind of hacker at all. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? So here we have this now, now now there's your Gary McKinnon who has been sweating bullets for the last ten years about about his uh, his problems with the United States. Okay come to find out and you know i wished i'd read this you know right off the presses but i missed it for the first three months because i think it's about three months old right off uh in fact i should give credit where i found this uh, uh mysterious mysterious universe.org and that is just how it is spelled mysterious universe.org okay slash 2011 slash 06 slash and i'm almost done <laughs> slash hacking dash of dash the dash ufo dash kind hacking well, of the ufo kind and just i'll put, I'll put that up on our page too yeah please please do so at any rate, uh, here's uh, Gary McKenna. He's uh, sweating bullets. He's been in been in trouble. Uh, he's uh, been hazarded by the United States government for the the willful destruction of their computers, causing millions of dollars worth of damage. It goes on and on and on. Well, five to six years prior, we have another much more competent hacker by the name of Matthew Bevan who did exactly the same thing, oh, and more, than Gary McKinnon ever possibly could have. And, uh, well, cut a long story short, he made the United States case against him look like a bunch of foolishness and buffoonery. 
and uh, got the whole thing scotched, and he walked away. Scott, Scott, I saw that because the United States wouldn't even tell it, them what they did. Right, <laughs> what they accessed right. anything about it. <laughs> You're right. Didn't want to. Didn't which you know kind of speaks volumes right there, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know, obviously something no one's supposed to know. Exactly. So now uh, here, five years later, Gary McKenna does the same same thing in a third-rate fashion. The government is sprung load to hammer him into the dirt for it. They're, I mean, geared and in gear to do, I mean, terrible damage to this guy because what? They're embarrassed. They're, they were, they were taken short, and they're going to make Gary McKinnon pay. Okay. Uh -huh. Now, now did they even the, say they knew that their uh, security was subpar? Well, see, that's the whole thing. This Matthew Bevan character uh, reported that uh, he was amazed at, at how how subordinate the computer uh, uh, security was for the Defense Department, for good God's sakes. <laughs> but that, see, that was in 1995, all right? Later on, five or six years later, they haven't done a damn thing. If Gary McKinnon can get in, and most of the most of the places that he got in didn't even have any passwords or had such moronic passwords like password for the Defense Department. The Defense Department. It's, it's probably password. <laughs> yeah, yeah, password. But, no, he found a bunch of those things. So the point being is that they knew they had a problem in 1995. They didn't do a damn thing to fix it in that, six that's years. That's unlike our government, too. Normally, they're right on that stuff. <laughs> well, or at least they fill out a form. <laughs> well, at least they report to you that that's what they do. But uh, <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm not completely. That, that was sarcasm. So, so, so the point is here. The you know just to 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 what's what's the phrase to to sum up? Okay, the U.S. government is embarrassed, and now they're and now they're geared to spoil for a fight with Gary McKinnon. And with regard to McKinnon, they already knew that their computer their computer security was substandard, and they did nothing. For five or six years between the predecessor, Matthew Bevan, and the third-rate hacker, Gary McKinnon. And all I can say is great suffering and most barogrugus. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's their own uh, damn fault, you know? All right, thank you very much, everybody. Alfred Lemberg, you're listening to Threshold Radio. We'll be right back right after this quick commercial break. She got the antidote, she knows the other way She really understands, I don't know what the hell to say I'm on the other side, I'm on the other side I'm an exile to the left TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Kopp Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit UFO-info. With the month of October and Halloween fast approaching, we want you, the listener, to share your creepy stories with us. Call us, email us, text us your personal story, your local legends, and folklore. Every week in October, we'll read your story on air. You can even read it yourself if you're not afraid. Call or text us at 708-966-9UFO. 
708-966-9836 or email John directly at ghost1 at bachelors-grove.com. Thank you, and we look forward to your stories. You're listening to Threshold Radio. I'm Anthony K. With me is Sam Ronto and John Stevenson. Right now we have Michael Clean on the phone. Hey, Mike, I heard you're one of the big uh, hot shots over at the Chicago Ghost Conference this year. They definitely have me in the show, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, this is the first time I've ever appeared on national television. Yeah, you got me beat on that. I've never been on national either. <laughs> well, it's, it'll probably only be for a few minutes, so I can't brag too much. Well, I saw those little clips you put on... Uh on facebook that that was the best part of the show <laughs> oh yeah well all uh all day this week or all every day this week uh at trueillinoishaunts.com my website i'm gonna have different articles and things about ashmore states so normally i like post every monday wednesday and friday this week is gonna be every day i'm gonna have interviews uh, audio clips videos you know articles everything you ever wanted to know about Ashmore States to make sure that all your listeners out there and all my readers get the facts about the location before they see the show, you know, and it sort of gives them a skewed perception of the place. So I want everybody to have all the in- relevant information. Uh, so that's why I'm, I'm going to post it all day uh, running up to the show. And uh, at the, the time of the show, I'm planning to have a little get-together at my place um, I'm encouraging people to have viewing parties, to get together with their friends uh, and watch the show. You know, have pizza, have a good time. Do you want to give out your home great. address, Mike, so all the viewers can come over? <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. So. But uh, not that I wouldn't like to meet people, but uh, you know how it is. So at their, in their own circle of friends, they should have their own uh, viewing party. And <laughs> that will be very fun. Couldn't you fit fifty thousand or so people in your living room? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't want to turn it into the, one of those uh, times like that girl who had the birthday party on Facebook and thousands of people showed up to her house. Yeah, I know. I heard about that. Well, you never know. Facebook's got an amazing power when it comes to that. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, you know. That's that's why I still really use it, even though Google Plus has come around. I still haven't figured that thing out. I've got that, but I haven't used it yet either. Yeah, I'm just getting the hang of Facebook. I used to like MySpace, and then it turned into Facebook. And every time I learn something, they make something new. Right. It's definitely um, it's definitely like the relentless march of the social networking sites. Yeah, there's money there. We got to get together and make our own. Yeah, there there were a couple of uh, paranormal networking sites, like kind of like MySpace. Uh, I was on one for a while, but it just sort of tapered off they did like this dramatic overhaul of the website and uh people just didn't like it and you know nobody came back after they closed it for a few few days it's a lot harder to launch something new like that than people think they think you just open a new website and wham it works it <laughs> doesn't go that way right yeah i have i've been learning that although you know true has been doing really great lately 
Uh, but it's taken several years to build up a readership, you know, posting every week, uh, doing great articles. It takes a lot to get people to come. Well, it's a lot of work. My Bachelor's Grove page, uh, it took years. I'm up to, I don't know, offhand, it's about 2,600 members now. But it takes a lot of work, constant attention. you got to post. you got to respond to people's posts. You know, it's got to be active. Oh, yeah. This Saturday, there's an event that I'm going to be at. Uh, called Paranormal Kicks Cancer. It's actually being held in conjunction with a number of other states. And there was a little bit of a problem at first because it was going to be in Mantino State Hospital, but then there was asbestos problems. So they finally found a location. Now it's going to be at the Holiday Inn in Elk Grove. Uh, So that's Saturday, September 24th at 12 p.m. to 9 p.m. So... The day after the show, I'm going to have a very busy schedule coming up. I've got yeah, appearances left popular. and right. Pretty soon to get you on the show, I'm going to have to call your people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll have an agent or something. There you go. How was, uh, what's her, what was her name, your friend that wrote the book uh, that we had on Cassidy. the air? Cassidy. Yeah, how's O'Connor. she doing? How's her book? Oh, it's doing pretty good. You know, sales on Kindle and Nook are going are going up. You know, and I think that that's definitely the future there. Uh, I've been trying to get in in Barnes and Noble. As you know, it's it's hard to set up a new publishing company, and stores like Barnes and Noble don't look too favorably on uh, the little guys. Yeah, the little guys. So it's been it's been hard, but they did order a few copies, so hopefully those will sell and they'll want more. Uh, she was actually just interviewed for another show out of Australia, so the word is getting out about the book, and people seem to enjoy it. What do you have for us today, Mike? I heard you got another top ten list. Oh yeah, today I have the big top ten list. This one I've been planning for over a year. Uh, Originally, I wanted to do a photo spread for this list uh, with a photographer that I knew, but that didn't work out, so I got a great illustrator to illustrate this. So hearing the list is not enough. You got to go on trueillinoishaunts.com and you got to actually check out the list because the illustrations are definitely one of the best parts of the list. If you're ready for this, I'm not sure that that you're ready, but (laughs) here it is, the top 10 hottest ghosts in Illinois. Now I've noticed over the years that the majority of ghosts happen to be uh, young, attractive women who are desperate and alone. Now, only Sigmund Freud really could figure out why <laughs> that is. So I decided to do this top ten list, uh, especially just for this month. So here we go. We're going to go down the list of the top ten hottest ghosts in Illinois. Okay. Number ten is the Greenwood Ghost Bride. Now, we've talked about Greenwood Cemetery before. Of course, it's located in Decatur. Uh, This is rumored to be one of the most haunted locations in central Illinois. But our ghost uh, concerns this story about um, the so-called Greenwood Ghost Bride. She wanders the grounds in her wedding dress searching for her fiancé, who is murdered by bootleggers. So the story is behind this that that during the era of Prohibition, uh, there was a man who, like many others, decided to try to make his living in this lucrative uh, alcohol trade. So he became a whiskey runner. He got paid to to run the whiskey to the stills, and he had this beautiful fiancée. Well, they decided to elope, but 
before eloping, he wanted to make one last run, so he had some some cash for the honeymoon. Uh, but unfortunately, his business rivals caught up with him and murdered him, and they left his body in the Sangamon River. When his fiance found out, of course, she was so grief-stricken that she drowned herself in the same spot in the river. And her parents uh, buried her in Greenwood Cemetery in her wedding dress. So now she's seen floating among the tombstones, uh, wiping tears from her face. So she is a very alluring and sad figure. Number nine is one that your Chicago listeners will be familiar with. This is uh, Melody Mill Ballroom's Flapper Ghost. Now, of course, we know that there are several vanishing hitchhikers in Illinois, but uh, few are as alluring as this flapper ghost of North Riverside's Melody Mill Ballroom and Jewish Waldheim Cemetery. Now, like Resurrection Mary, uh, she's supposed to have died in the 1920s or 1930s, and her ghost dances a night away with strangers only to vanish during the ride home. However, unlike Mary, who is rather um, modest, shall we say, uh, Melody Mill's flapper ghost is much more vibrant and colorful. She's described as, as having brunette bobbed hair, and according to author Joanne Christensen, she wears a gaily colored sheath and shows plenty of shapely leg. <laughs> now, as many of our local uh, listeners will know that the Melody Mill Ballroom unfortunately was demolished a number of years ago, but uh, sites of this flapper ghost continued into the 1990s. So now, number eight is the White Lady of Batcher's Grove. You're familiar with this. Oh, book. very familiar. Of course, this uh, this cemetery, Batcher's Grove, has been an enigma on the south side for many, many years. And uh, it's said to be home to many phantoms, strange lights, a two-headed monster, a vanishing house. We're all familiar with those. But one of the most popular ghosts there is this white lady or Madonna of Batcher's Grove who's said to be seen cradling her infant son. Uh, this ghost was supposedly captured on a famous photograph using infrared film and that is was used as the basis for our wonderful illustration for this section. And uh, she sits on this fallen headstone, her flowing ivory gown teased by the passing breeze. In an area first settled by Batchers, it is no wonder that such a phantom appears there, time and time again, desperate to be reunited with a lost love. Number seven is Sarah of McPike Mansion. Built in uh, 1869 by Henry Guest McPike and designed in the Italianite Victorian style, although a commenter actually pointed out that it is a Second Empire style um, because of this mansard room apparently is the determining factor when it comes to our architectural style. However, this is a list about uh, attractive ghosts, so we're not going to really pay much attention to that, to architectural details. <laughs> I don't want to bore your listeners. So this mansion sat abandoned for decades, and there are two known ghosts there, uh, the mansion's new owners named one of them Sarah because there was an old book that was found in the mansion that was inscribed with the name Sarah Wells. Now, she's supposed to be, have been a hired hand in life, and she teases visitors with a spectral touch or hug. Uh, she's also supposed to make her presence known with a hint of lilac perfume, so a very flirtatious phantom. 
Number six is a much more glamorous ghost. This is Elvira of the Woodstock Opera House. Uh, this opera house was conducted or constructed in 1889, and it's almost as famous for its glamorous ghost as it is for its beauty. There was even a Honda commercial. I don't know if you remember this. In 1992, uh, the Honda commercial played off the notoriety of the the Woodstock's ghost. I now the theater that offhand. Yeah, I, you know, it's something that you might be able to find on YouTube. I haven't been. Oh, I'm sure you can no. find everything on YouTube. <laughs> Well, now, this uh, theater is kind of unique. Its interior was designed to look like a glimmering showboat, and its exterior is kind of a combination of styles. Now, this ghost goes back quite a ways. In the late 1940s, there was an actor who said that he witnessed a chair uh, popping up and down during rehearsals as if someone had been sitting there. The chair is specifically DD-113. Uh, after a number of years, now the, the thespians started referring to this ghost as Elvira, and actresses were warned to stay away from the theater's tower uh, for fear that its sultry siren will fill them with a strange compulsion to jump. <laughs> People say that Elvira uh, jumped to her death from the tower. Now, according to our author, Joanne Christensen, who has a way with words, uh, Elvira was described as very attractive with long golden hair and a flattering flowing gown. Uh, okay, number five is the mysterious woman of Original Springs Hotel. We, we talked about Original Springs before. During the 1800s, Oakwaville was widely known for its mineral springs, which were believed to have an invigorating effect on a man's vitality. After this particular quality of the springs was discovered in 1867, a local businessman and a farmer established the first bathhouse and spa at the location, which, of course, burnt down in 1891. Now, the current building that's now known as the Original Springs Hotel opened in 1893, and it's still in operation today. Now, our, our ghost, as it were, uh, she's been seen by hotel guests. She's described as being a mysterious woman wearing a white dress in the fashion of the early 1900s, sitting on the balcony, her face is always kind of hidden beneath her hat. And she, uh, this is certainly a, a voyeuristic phantom because many guests have said that uh, they see her standing next to their bed. And uh, another guest saw her staring out of the window of a locked storage room in the men's bathhouse. So she's been creeping around. <laughs> in the men's bathhouse, huh? <laughs> Number four is one of my personal favorites. This is uh, accompanied by a lovely illustration this is Pemberton Hall's Legendary Mary. Uh, Eastern Illinois University's Pemberton Hall is the oldest all-female dormitory in the state of Illinois, and its ivory-covered walls and old English-look and feel was well-suited for its first full-time matron, Mary Hawkins. Now, Mary emigrated from Great Britain in 1901, and she assumed the position of dorm director of Pemberton Hall in August 1910 when she was 33 years old. Uh, sometime after her death, the girls of Pemberton began to believe her ghost haunted their dorm room. There's a uh, famous folklore motif called the roommate's death. And in that uh, story, there's a student that's murdered by a crazed janitor. There we go again with the janitor. Now, though that story has merged with um, the story of Mary Hawkins uh, to create sort of a unique tale to Eastern Illinois University. Now, sometimes she manifests herself as a prankster 
A young woman who scratches at doors, leaves bloody footprints, or wanders up to the fourth floor to play the piano uh, dressed in nothing but a thin white gown. Other times, she's been flirtatious. Uh, one firm, former resident director claimed that her fiancé felt an invisible hand smack him on the behind. That's always kind of a funny story. Number three is Drake Hotel's Woman in Red. It's another very glamorous spirit. Uh, this, of course, involves the story that we've heard on a previous list. Um, this was during the New Year's Eve gala, the opening of the Drake Hotel in 1920. There was a wealthy venture capitalist with his fiancée. They attended this uh, gala ball in Drake's Gold Coast room. And this man stepped away and did not return, so his fiancée went looking for him. And she found him, unfortunately, enthralled by another woman in the Palm Court parlor. She was, of course, devastated, and she climbed to the roof and jumped to her death. Since then, ghosts of the Drake have reported seeing her ghosts in the Gold Coast room, Palm Court, and on the top floor and on the roof. And she's called the woman in red because of the gleaming crimson silk gown she wears, which complements her long black hair and emerald eyes. Uh, number two is a very exciting phantom for many. Uh, I actually, when I was doing research for this, uh, I found a newspaper article from the Weekly World News from uh, December 1980 that talked about the, the ghost story. It was kind of funny. So those of you who are familiar with this story will remember that this took place between mid-December 1980 and early January 1981. And in this incident, there were dozens of people that reported seeing a young woman in various stages of dress uh, walking down Kennedy Hill Road outside of Byron. Now, despite the icy wind and cold, she was sometimes wearing attire more suitable for the beach and was said to be very athletic and slender, <laughs> at one point leaping over a nearby fence with ease. By January 1920, uh, blah, by January 20th, 1981, the sightings had reached a fevered pitch. Motorists parked their cars in the frigid temperatures along the narrow rural road to catch a glimpse of what became known as the Phantom Lady of Kennedy Hill Road. It was said that the scantily clad phantom was searching for her lost grave, which had been plowed over by a nearby farmer. A newspaper reports reached as far away as Chicago, and the Rockford Register Star ran five consecutive articles on the sightings. Now, the Phantom Lady... Uh, disappeared after the snow thawed that spring and was never seen again, unfortunately. So let's go down the list from 10 to 2, and then we'll do the number 1. Okay. I'm sure we all are waiting with bated breath, but we all have a good idea of who the number 1 uh, ghost probably is. Number 10 is the Greenwood Ghost Bride. Number 9, Melody Mill Ballroom's Flapper Ghost. Number eight, the white lady of Bachelor's Grove. I actually know her. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, Sarah of McPike Mansion is number seven. Six, Elvira of the Woodstock Opera House. Number five, the mysterious woman of Original Springs Hotel. Number four is Pemberton Hall's Legendary Mary. Number three is the Drake Hotel's Woman in Red. Number two is the Phantom Lady of Kennedy Hill Road. And the number one hottest ghost in Illinois is, of course, Resurrection Mary. Oh, she gets the number one spot. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Uh, every year, thousands of motorists drive past the gates of Resurrection Cemetery, hoping to catch a glimpse of this girl named Mary and offer her a ride. Now, Resurrection Mary, uh, of course, is hands down the most famous legend in the Chicagoland area. She's the subject of a novel, several songs, two films, and is an indispensable part of any book on Chicago hauntings. Uh, I actually saw one of the movies called Resurrection Mary, and it wasn't bad. Yeah. It's kind what of was the last sighting of her, Mike? Do you know? You know, I knew that there was a spike of them in the 1970s, but I've read that as late as the 1990s, there have been sightings. Yeah, I remember growing up in the late 70s or so, she was constantly in the news. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, with the bars being bent. And yeah, everything. that you go there and supposedly you could see the handprints and the bars and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it got it, to the point where uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but on Halloween the police sit there. Oh no, I didn't know that. Yeah, you can't even go near it. On Halloween the police sit there and they sit at Bachelor's Grove. Huh. Well, I can imagine why. I mean, those are the two famous places in in probably all of Illinois related They're trying to, to ruin everybody's fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that the cemetery officials there at Resurrection deny ever hearing the story or anything. Like they won't even <laughs> talk about it. Well, those bars, I tell you, those bars were bent. There's no ifs, ands, or buts, because I saw uh-huh. it. Yeah, by the time that I actually got there, they were um, painted over, but now the the gate is totally new. Oh, is it? I didn't yeah, know they, that. A couple of years ago, they replaced the whole gate, so now it's just um, it's totally different. I wonder where the old gate is now. I don't know. Maybe they sold it for scrap metal. All right. Well, thank you very much, Michael Clean, everybody. You're listening to Threshold Radio. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. TheEdgeOnAir.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Cop Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on TheEdgeOnAir.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit UFO-info. With the month of October and Halloween fast approaching, we want you, the listener, to share your creepy stories with us. Call us, email us, text us your personal story, your local legends, and folklore. Every week in October, we'll read your story on air. You can even read it yourself if you're not afraid. Call or text us at 708-966-9UFO. 708-966-9836 or email John directly at ghost1 at bachelors-grove.com Thank you and we look forward to your stories. It's the best excuse in the world to join the party. You're listening to Threshold Radio. I'm Anthony Kay. With me is Sam Moranto and John Stevenson. Right now we have Suzanne Taylor on. And uh, John saw her video. Well, everybody in your video was from England. They were also posh. 
Yes, really, really. Yes, we shot the whole thing in England, actually. That was except, in, we, except if I had to tell the truth, I would tell you that I have a lovely flowery backyard, and we needed to do a pickup of something we didn't have. So my backyard is passing for an English garden in uh -oh. a little bit of the movie. You'd never know, though. out. <laughs> Right. Well, I saw your video, it was yesterday, you were kind enough to send me the link, and uh, I must say, very impressive. Well, thank you very much. Oh, my backyard's in Los Angeles, by the way, for your oh. international audience. Oh, I forgot audience. to say your would, proper name, yeah. the Crop Circle would, Queen. No. The Crop say, Circle Queen, say, yes, that is, my, that is my proper name, the Crop Circle Queen, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to introduce you by that, and I forgot. <laughs> okay, you want to tell us uh, about your... Uh, your excellent video there? Well, it's actually a feature film and it done by Hollywood standards. You know, there's a lot of videos out there uh, that people in the crop circle world make and, you know, they're, they're nice videos. And then there's the programs that the uh, television stations make. All the cable stations every few years go out and make another bad program about the crop circles. So we have those. But then we have our feature films and we don't have many of those. And in fact, uh, the very first one that was ever done uh, was 10 years ago, and I'm the executive producer of that one. Uh, that's um, when I thought, you know, this is the most important thing that could be happening in the world, or it could be the most important thing happening oh, with agree. these crop circles. Uh, it could change the consciousness of all of humanity, uh, or maybe the worldview of all of humanity would be a better way to say it. It would change the way we think about ourselves. We, we're so arrogant, we think we're the only intelligence around, except of course for our science fiction. But in fact, it's just us. We're the lords of the universe, the lords of the planet. Yeah, no, it's not an arrogant thing to think. <laughs> Really? So we rape the planet, so to speak. We hurt each other. We're vicious with each other. But if we actually knew that there was other intelligence, it would humble us. We would have to sort of take our place in a much larger scheme of things. It would be very, very good for us. And um, we'd also be in kind of one conversation on Earth, which right now all we have is negotiation uh, and worse. But we would be in one conversation about something outside of ourselves, something bigger than us that would be so healthy for us to be in that discussion. What is it? What should we do about it? What's going on? What do we all know? Share our knowledge. I mean, it would be, you know, the media is just so short-sighted, as of course they are about everything. Media is terrible. Uh, <laughs> terrible, terrible. Uh, but, you know, they, they, they're so quick to be uh, c cynical, you know. Why not be curious instead? Because in fact, if it turned out to be the, the real deal, it would be so useful and helpful to the world. And the funny part is, if it didn't turn out to be the real deal, if it turned out to be an art perpetration by people all over the world for decades now, uh, uh, hundreds of them every year, uh, wouldn't that be a story? How did that keep under wraps? That would know, be some amazing people. <laughs> I mean, really, the media would have itself a fabulous story. So curiosity would be much more useful than kind of burying this thing. Well, if you notice a real one they don't talk about, but a fake one gets headlines. Well, that isn't that the way of the world. We talk about, we don't talk about our love stories as much as we talk about our murders on the news, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah I, I quit watching the news. It's <laughs> too depressing. Yeah, I mean, the news is of the bad things that happen by and large, you know. But that is, I don't know, you know, there are certain things that are just kind of inherent to the systematized way we have the world set up. It isn't like it's anything evil going on or malicious. It's just, I mean, that's the way it works. You know, if you call a press conference, uh, you can't really call a press conference about an ongoing 
situation. It has to be something brand new or else, you know, the press won't come. So crop circles appearing, even though, you know, there are changes in internal to them. Uh, there are always different patterns, different countries, different sizes, but that's not really uh, startling. You know, something startling has to happen in order to really make news. Well, so they more involved now? I mean, the, the patterns in these newer crop circles are amazing. Yeah, and there's plenty of, you know, content to talk about in this less than startling way where something dramatically new happens. Yes, uh, the, the patterns are absolutely exquisite, and it's such a treat to see them every year. It's like a new art show every year, a new museum show. And, you know, for people who are paying attention, it's just lovely and beautiful and awe-inspiring. Awe uh, and, you know, the my mission here in life is to get the world to pay attention, truly. Uh, when I came back from England in 1996, having gone for the first time in uh, 93, uh, I came back and I made a vow. I said, you know, if my life is going to be about anything unique, um, I was always doing good work. I was producing a lot of events and projects that had to do with changing our consciousness and waking us up and self-awareness and personal growth and all the kinds of things that, you know, make us better people. Uh, but the crop circles, I thought, oh, all of a sudden, all over the world, everything could change. And uh, I made this vow when I came back uh, to to really have my significant energy devoted to bringing this information to the world. And of course, how do you tell the world anything? You make a movie. <laughs> yeah. so, so it was 1996 when I started looking for a filmmaker who would be interested. You just can't approach any old filmmaker and say, can I hire you to make a movie about crop circles? What? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes. But I did find, finally, uh, in 2000, I found a filmmaker. Uh, let's see, 2001. No, I found him in 2000. We went to England in 2001 and had a 10-week shoot in England, and the film came out in 2002, and that was Crop Circle's Quest for Truth. And a lot of the people now who are the uh, rabid community of passionate Crop Circle devotees, uh, and there is that community, it, it gathers in England every summer from all over the world. They're the ones who take the pictures, uh, do the uh Write the, write the books, uh, make movies, uh, do talks. You know, they're the ones who are uh, really uh, take photographs. A lot of uh, photography that you can buy of crop circles taken by this community of rabid crop circle enthusiasts. And a lot of those became enthusiasts after they saw that first movie. That's what turned them on to the whole phenomenon. So we've been already doing some good out there. You've done and your part. <laughs> Well, not, never over, though, you know, uh, which is actually kind of nice. It's nice to have something you really uh, feel passionately about. Uh, it keeps you, you know, energized and keeps me energized. Uh, I, you know, I, I can't get old. I couldn't. I mean, you know, I got to do this work. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you but, go. But I, but, I, but I love, you know, trying to help the world. I, I've always had a passion for that. And, you know, now I really have a tool to be able to do it in high style. So it makes me very happy. The crop circles are just absolutely amazing. They've been around a long time. But like I said, they seem to be getting so much more involved. Mathematical well, equations and just amazing things. Uh, they are just doing, you know, loop-de-loops to, I believe, get our attention to the fact that there is other intelligence contacting us. Uh, a lot of the formations have information encoded in them. Uh, 
and you can you know uh, study them and extract that information. A lot of that goes on. Uh, and then some people think, oh, you know, let's decipher these messages and then we'll get the messages and whatever, be valuable to us. And I don't think that's actually what's happening. I don't think they're messages that we need that, uh, I mean, they'd be more overt if that's what they were trying to do. I think it's just to let us know that an intelligent source is delivering them to us so we recognize that something mindful has gone on to encode them this way and then we know we're not the only intelligence and then you know or the next era of human civilization begins so this is no small matter that we're dealing with and don't they usually appear like quickly i mean like just poof they seem to be there well you know we do have eyewitness accounts uh, the uh, ones that I've read are little blurbs that were, used to be collected, but they used to have an organization for the crop circles that disbanded some time ago. Um, they, they just couldn't hold an organization together. There are a lot of individualists there who are so interested in all of this, and they communicate with one another, but not in an organization. But when they had an organization, it was a place where they could collect information. And um, so they had uh, 25 eyewitness reports that had... I believe, gone back to the 1940s. Uh, and then we've had some since then. So maybe we've got, I don't know, 40 eyewitness reports at this point. And they all say, in terms of how quickly they go down, and that's one of the startling things they say, they go down in seconds. Uh, we have a little simulation in the movie of a uh, swishing, um, you know, swishing uh, crop go going down in a uh -huh. circle. But we made that just to show you the idea but they all say that something like six or seven seconds is how, no matter how big the formation is, it all swooshes down at once. And, it's, and there's lights quickly. been known to be near them too, right? Like almost like yes. fairy lights to just float around it? Well, you've seen something on YouTube that uh, best guess is that it, it, it was done in a lab. It's all over uh, the Internet. And uh, for a long time, or at least initially, it was thought, oh, blessings we finally got somebody who caught one being made uh -huh. but then it took years of oh snooping and people not being contactable and this and that and, and arguing about it and, until finally the consensus pretty much is that the guy who uh put this out actually worked in a video laboratory and um, if that's what it's called whatever it is a video place oh, and, made and it myself, he, huh? yeah and actually ha ha made it now we still have a couple of holdouts who are people of some repute who insist that it's the real deal but you know you're talking to me and from my perspective it looks like the evidence is overwhelming we didn't make that and we don't know what makes them but we never see craft all those eyewitnesses they do see lights, though. Right, they I've see heard flickering lights. Of lights. Flickering lights, shafts of light. Uh, light seems to be part of it, just not those balls going around and right. where a crop circle appears underneath them. That's the fake. Uh, but no, no craft. Nobody's ever spotted a uh, UFO. Uh, there is some talk that they can cloak themselves. I read that in the UFO world. Right. And they can make themselves invisible, so who knows? I mean, that's a possibility. But not. we can't tell you that, oh, yeah, UFOs make crop circles. No, 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 we've never seen it. Don't know that. Because UFOs know what will crop hide sometimes, and if you actually look through infrared, they, they'll appear. There's many cases of that, and including myself, I caught one that way. Did you? Well, yeah, this, I mean, we're dealing with a pretty advanced... Uh, 
intelligence there that you know it's science is way beyond us they're visiting us we're not visiting them so it wouldn't surprise you if they could do all sorts of things you know but you know i'll tell you what really does surprise me about the whole ufo thing and i can never calibrate it which is when you look at the vast distances in space there really isn't any way that hard hardware went through space and came here uh like uh, on a straight line, you know, or through the air or the, or the whatever that is, the dark matter or whatever it is out there. Now, they talk about wormholes, and I'm not uh, knowledgeable, you know, I have no capacity to really talk very intelligently yeah, about all this, but, some, <laughs> yeah, but somehow I, it would involve dissolving and reconfigurating in some way, you know. But I do wonder, how does this hardware get here? Uh, it, it, there's some disconnect there that we haven't had an explanation for. And as all the UFO people are just so gung-ho on UFOs, and, and the public too. I think over half the public believe in them, and then there's some, or maybe it's half the public have seen something. There's some very, very large number who believe they've seen, and you know some of them are inaccurate, but a lot of them uh, can't be eliminated, and a lot of them are standing as you know the genuine sightings. And then I wonder, well, how did that hardware get here? You know, uh, very mysterious to yeah, me. It gets here, but yet it's not tracked coming here or nothing, which is unusual. It's just it's here. Yeah. Uh, you know, the word wormhole, I, you know, we like words like that because that seems to like That's some Star cover, Trek. <laughs> yeah, cover vast territory. But in fact, there is a NASA scientist, if you were in, uh, on my mailing list, which you can get on. on which the, I will uh, be shortly. <laughs> I think I may have put you on already, John. Uh, uh, theconversation.org is where you can easily, easily sign up. And that is my blog where um, I posted something not too long ago because I discovered that there was a scientist at NASA who was one of the directors or the supervisors of what's going on on the s- space platform. I hope I get my words right, but I'm close. You know, oh, I'm okay. in the category. <laughs> Uh, and he was a big crop circle guy, and he's written about it, he's published about it, and he's a wormhole guy, too. And so if you were uh, on uh, that post on, on my website, you do a search mm-hmm. for probably, if you did the search for wormhole or NASA, it would probably come up with this piece. And um, it, it, I, I, it was a link from that I, you know, that you can click on from what I posted to this uh, diagrams and scientific explanations of wormholes. And I thought, oh, this isn't just Star Trek. There's real work going on <laughs> in this category. So that was a news. recent video that's been released that uh, appears to be some sort of wormhole. And it's absolutely amazing. Really? Yeah, it's what, a, a craft is spinning through space and it opens up and it goes in and disappears. Well, I, I actually posted it on our website, the ufo-info.com, so you can go check it out there. It's an interesting video, man. It is creepy. It's, it's, it is a wormhole, if you ask me. It's blue, spiral thing. It's really creepy. It's probably the best video of a UFO slash wormhole I've ever oh, seen. Oh, I want to see that. You know where I'm going when we hang up. <laughs> <laughs> well, on, on uh, the crop circles, isn't it true that I think you said that there's there was 35 of them in one night? Indeed, that was a record. Uh, it was before my time of uh, being involved with them. Um, but it, the you know I take in my my information um, doesn't come from the internet where there's a lot of funny you, you know one little piece of 
just inaccurate information you gets on the internet, and all of a sudden, oh God, it's all over the world. Uh, like the, the you'll see always, ten thousand crop circles have appeared. Well, no. <laughs> Uh, when that, inf that, that information started to circulate, I would say 10 years ago, and more or less, you know, a long time ago, it's been out there. And the way that we can puzzle together what might have accounted for it is that the crop circle formations are, consist of multiple parts, and all different kinds of parts, circles, squares, triangles, uh, squiggles, whatever. Yeah. And so we had some thought that whoever counted and came up with 10,000 was counting each part of each formation as if it was... Oh, uh, an individual one. Yeah, or maybe it was, maybe that, maybe that count was before they, uh, before everything uh, graduated from all being circular. So if you had a formation, every element in it was circular. Or, or perhaps maybe, they were just stupid. Now I don't know. We, we're speculating that they counted every piece, yeah. uh, and then and then the number became ten thousand. But interestingly, for the last however many years that's been, ten thousand has remained the number. But yet, you know, we get more of them every year. So I would say just my straw count. And you can't. Again, we don't have a center collecting all the information. You've right. got to kind of speculate or guess at things. But I would say that we're now possibly up to maybe five thousand in the modern era which is, you know, when we've been really paying close attention because, as you'd see in my film, as you saw in my film, right. uh, you can date these things back to play times when they weren't called crop circles because we named them in the modern era, mm -hmm. but we'll read some account in some literature of the day that would be referring to something. You know, there, there's probably numerous out there that have never been reported. You oh, know, I know, countries. I know. I was telling you how old they were. I was saying right. every hundred years or so, there was some flurry in the literature of the day, starting in 1678. We always date from that particular instance where there's a very famous woodcut. Anybody go on Google, you, 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 um, you look for the mowing devil crop circle, or mowing devil, I think you yeah, just called it. Yeah, they were probably it. considered uh, evil back then, weren't they? No, um, we don't know what they were considered. We just have this one little story written in Old English and a pamphlet with this illustration. So when we look at the illustration, we go, well, that's a crop circle. It's several layers of circular stuff with uh, things going different directions mm -hmm. in each layer, and they look like crop laying down. It's a crop circle. We know that. It's 1678. And the little story... Uh, is just a particular story about a farmer who wanted to have his crop harvested and the harvester wanted to charge him some high price and he said he wouldn't do it and he said let the devil do it and he woke up in the morning and the the crop was flattened into this thing and then the illustration in the woodcut has the picture of this downed crop circle and a little devil in the middle of it <laughs> so i i don't know that they were all attributed to anything devilish i i had not heard that um, I don't think so, actually. It's just in the so, olden days, they used to blame everything on demons and devils. Oh, well, then, then yes, yes. From that point of view, we could, um, yes, yes. And now they're terrorists, right? Yeah. But we, we, yes, we could ascribe it to that. But every hundred years or so, there was some kind of outpouring in the literature of the day that you could read the story or look at a picture and say, oh, they're talking about crop circles. But it wasn't until the modern era, starting in the 1970s, that the phenomenon stuck. More and more people got interested. It never went away. We had modern communication so that we could, you know, not as modern as we have now, but, but modern enough so that word could spread. And uh, the world was quite interested in these things. We were in newspapers all over the world until 
those two guys came along and said they made them all, and then that relieved everybody of having to wonder. And that was just where a line of crap, wasn't have, it? Pardon me? I said, then that was just a line of crap that they made it all, wasn't it? <laughs> well, you see that in my movie. We, we track, you know, these two farmers from the middle of nowhere all of a sudden got a press release all over the world about the fact they'd made them all. How in the world did these two guys get a press release in all the major papers in the world? It was kind of ridiculous. So obviously something else did that, and then they did... I don't want to do a spoiler, but they did some tracking of where the press release came from, and we got our little uh, nefarious sources of government disinformation. Uh, yeah, isn't that unusual, huh? <laughs> yeah, really, really. Um, but uh, the um, and I think we're up to maybe five thousand now. If we were counting now worldwide, we get about half of them every year are in England, half of them in about fifty other countries now. I think it was forty when. Uh, well, they were video. estimated when I See, was... My, my notes are wrong. My note says 40 different countries, darn it. Well, that's because <laughs> when we were shooting the movie, that was the estimate they were using. And now I have since heard that... And that makes sense, you know, because they do right. pop up in more and more countries. So the uh, some other responsible person who was counting them up counted 50. So, okay, now I'm I'm saying 50. But whatever, you know, they're but all... England, England is the most popular place for them, though, right? Doesn't that, like, there seem, most of them seem to pop up? Well, that's where we're focused. That's where we know we have a phenomenon. That's where we know every year they're going to be there. If you want to go on vacation, and which people do, we have a lot of tourists. Uh, we say I've, I've become English, uh, and uh, uh, they, 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 you can count on them every year. They happen in this one little area. Now, all over the rest of the world, although there are a couple little spots that they've occurred, recurred, but uh, you don't really know. And you know, big country, the United States, all over the place. Uh, so. Um, we, we, fought, we, we pay attention to them in England, and they always pay local attention in the countries, but the phenomenon, you know, with the conferences and all the researchers and whatever, they, they gather in England every year and uh, for the season. It's almost like the races, you know. All it's right. the season now. <laughs> I'd love to go out and see one of those. I've never been to one of them. Well, it's quite thrilling. You know, you're just standing in a miracle, and you can, you, you know, you just have to... Shake your head, bow your head, whatever. Where did this come from? Particularly the really large ones or the really complicated ones. Where, how in the world did this happen? And, um, you know, your, in, your instinct, everyone's mind too, is to, you know, make it in some kind of uh, people perpetration. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, people must have come down and did this and da, da, da. But then you look at the evidence. And the evidence is so overwhelming that it's not uh, a, a people phenomenon other than the hoaxes. That's, you know, our little terrorists are making hoaxes. But you have a real phenomenon that they're copying. And um, you, there's just no way to account for where it's coming from. And um, it, it's, you, you just go into awe, you know. What a miracle. The real ones have absolutely no damage to the stem or the plant except for being bent over, right? Uh, the in the green crop there, Ben. You know the rest of that thought was I, I actually uh, forgot to finish my thought, which is that when you really see the evidence, it's more logical that we're not making them than that we are. So instinctively, you'd think we are, but then you look at the evidence and you see, wait a minute, <laughs> it's more unlikely that we. we can, I mean, it, you can hardly believe we could make them all. Uh, so anyway, so bent over, yes, the green crop bends. It's it becomes very supple. Even we've even had them in young pine trees, oh, where really? the where the uh, trunks that are like three inches thick will bend at a right angle, uh, and then 
when they're you know when they're in the crop fields they'll uh, continue to grow they get ratty within short order because the heads will turn back up and phototrophism that, that was my next question actually what actually happens to these after some time they they continue to grow just like normal then well they land in the crops all during the growing season of different crops there are three main crops in England that are the main canvases for them that come in one after another in England uh, so if they come in in the early phase, the green phase, yes, they totally turn back up and continue to grow. If, they, if the crop circle hits when the a plant is you know, almost ready to harvest and it's dry and it's brittle, mm-hmm. um, no, they won't grow. They'll, there's no more growth left. They're not growing anymore. Just the seeds are getting riper or some such. And, um, and they'll, you know, they'll just bend over and stay there. And in fact, um, we show you some pictures in the film uh, which is, by the way, called What on Earth. I don't think we told everybody it's called and What on Earth. it's an amazing film. <laughs> <laughs> right. That we did tell people. And you can find it at CropCircleMovie.com. Easy to remember. You'll see the trailer there, and then you'll know, oh, I've got to own this DVD, and there you'll be. You can just buy it right we'll, there. We'll put links on our page for you, too. Good, good, very good. You see pictures in my movie of these ben, bends, and in the um, crops, the crops grow in sections, and each section has a node in between. Right. And so they bend at the nodal points, and they make like an elbow. They make this nice little right yeah, angle. They actually bend. bend without breaking, right? Just they do. However, that's in the green crop. In the crop, there's no, there's, they don't have that kind of give, but they still bend. And what you'll see in the dry crop are holes in the nodes. We call them blown nodes, and we do have a picture of it uh-huh. in the movie, where you know the, the energy has come up through the shaft, and it couldn't bend it, so it just explodes it just and gets it to out. bend over that way. You know? Can we actually recreate that? You know, can we bend it that way ourselves? You know, I think they've done some work. Uh, what they speculate is that the causal agent for the bending, both in, the, in, in all of it, um, is microwave energy. And um, they have done some uh, work with microwave energy uh, showing that, in fact, that will bend uh, the, the, the crop over. I, I don't know if you saw what went around recently online. It was so, I mean, almost funny, except it's not funny, where these, this um, physics organization uh, put out the information that crop circles are made by Microwave energy, yes, thank you very much. And how do we apply that? Well, we take these microwave uh, motors out into the field. We take our ovens into the field. Well, no, we take the parts <laughs> out of the ovens, and then we go around and we shine it on the... Uh, excuse me, we have the size of two football fields for the largest one. That's not even uh, it appear, it, they do They do wake up in the morning, and... You know, you only get four hours or five hours in the later part of the summer of darkness, English nights, they're short. Uh, and you think they went around with this little tool and they bent two football fields yeah, worth the, of... And rock. those patterns are always perfect. You never see one that's like defective or out of shape. Well, you do see some of those. The hoaxers make them. But the funny thing is when the hoaxers are, you know, they're, they're following patterns and the patterns... They've got good geometers working with them now, so the patterns are pretty good at this point. Um, don't know all their technology, how they're doing it. I don't go out with them. But they do make mistakes. And then, because, you know, like if you were making a painting and you went out of a line, you'd kind of cover it up with another line right. or something. You know? So they cover their mistakes. And, you know, when you go 
uh, analyzing these things, you'll see, oh, this thing's too big. Oh, they've enlarged this, you know, according to the way geometry would, would scope it uh -huh. out. Oh, yeah, and then they try to enlarge one on the other side to compare it. You, you can find, but when you find that, oh, that's a hoax formation, you know, some oh, kind definitely. of your evidence. <laughs> because, indeed, the ones that are from the real deal, uh, they are remarkably precise. And, you know, that one with the, uh, the size of two football fields, it, had, it actually had all circular elements, as I, we've said. They're not all circular now, all different shapes now, but that one happened to have, 409 separate circles, and they all were perfect. Uh, it's just you know, not possible for a person to do that. Well, you know, if there were people stomping around out there, they'd be making mistakes. You know, mm -hmm. so when you see something as impressive as that, and it's pristine, and it's got no mistakes, you can go, "Well, I think we can count on this being being in the real camp." You know. Is there any ever any type of trace energy, you know, from the microwave or you know radiation or any type like that that's in one of the circles? You know, there are people walking around, we call them gizmos, whatever their little mechanical things are, and we show you some in the movie, actually. Oh, the dowsing rods? Well, dowsing rods is a whole other thing. That's okay. not, uh, that's just pieces of uh, metal that, or, or whatever they're made out of. You're supposed to find water with those, though. <laughs> Very successfully. Don't, don't you laugh at that. Oh, they I know. Do. I actually, a friend yeah. of mine, his father was a plumber, and I used to watch him do it. Yeah, it is, it is amazing. What the dowsers will tell you, is and you learn. I took a little dowsing thing actually at um, UCLA in adult education, and we were not using anything but our fingers, and we looped our fingers. But it was a dowsing techno technique, kind of, where you're just looking uh, for the universe to tell you the answer to things you don't know the answer to. And there's some kind of amazing uh, capacity the universe has to tell us these things. And so the dowsers. You know, I'll just tell you one little story about one of my real favorite dowser guys over there who's a big crop circle guy. And they, come, they, they, they walk around, they look for where the, uh, the lines of energy change. They get information from dowsing. But what this guy did was to prove to a skeptical friend that dowsing was uh, effective and, and real, for real, he sat in the passenger seat of a car. He lives about 90 miles from the circles. And... Um, he selected a particular circle. We actually have a picture of that, and it's called the magnetic field circle. And uh, we have it in our movie, and we, it's, it's the cover of a, one of the bulletins from the circle world. So we have a picture of it too, uh, the diagram of it. At any rate, uh, there it is. And um, he sat in the passenger seat. He was blindfolded. Uh, he had his dowsing rods, and he kept telling the driver from what he was asking the dowsing rods where to turn. And the driver got him to that crop circle. I mean, oh, I love really? that story. Oh, well, that's cool. That's not in my movie. You know, we, we couldn't put everything in the movie. But well, I love... <laughs> that's my next movie, yeah, really. Uh, you know, I'm... Here's my next thought. It's a little bit off your beaten crop circle path. Well, that's but okay. My next thought is to try to do some something. And I'll tell you, the first place that I submitted it was to Rosie O'Donnell, who's about to start her talk show on OWN and who loves my movie and says we're going to do a show on OWN. So I just recently emailed her and said, Rosie, what do you think of this idea as something I could maybe do once a week on your show where I would be the paranormal reporter? Uh, News of the Weird, I thought, if you want to give it a catchy name. Uh -huh. And 
um, not the old stuff, not the pyramids, but the, the living stuff of what people do, like that dowsing story would go mm-hmm. in there. How can this happen? This is, not in nor- this is not an ordinary reality. This is not what science can, you know, verify. But, but these strange things happen in this world. And it just attests to the fact that science is not the be-all, end-all. It, it's great at what it's great at. But when it uh, pretends, or, or, or pretends isn't the right word, but when we, we, we give it the power to dictate what's real, um, no, it only dictates what's real in the, domain, in the domains in which it has provenance. But there's plenty of other stuff going on that's outside the realm of science. Oh, definitely. Uh, crop circles would definitely be there as well, even though we do science on them. We take the uh, soil and the uh, plant material into the laboratory to attest to the fact that things are happening to it uh, that uh, are uh, not possible. You know, they don't fit in our science, so it's coming from somewhere else. Right. But as a phenomenon, we can't take it into the laboratory. We can't replicate it. We can't do the kind of things, take it apart, put it back together again, the kind of things that science insists on as its parameters. But there's so much more going on that we really should be changing our concept of reality uh, because science is dictating reality to us. And uh, consciousness isn't in there. Love isn't even in there. So all those things, we don't deny they exist, but we marginalize them. They're not so important. What's important is what science can tell us. Well, it was important for our growth as an industrial nation and, or world. But, um, boy, there's more to it all than that now. And we've got to change our uh, standing place of what it is that we are counting as most significant. And we've got to rethink all of that. And so, you know, it's in that spirit that I would so love to be the paranormal reporter. You got any listeners out there? Help me think. Where am I going to, if Rosie doesn't do it, where am I going to do this? How am I going to put this? Where well, am there I, you go. Yeah. You can do yeah. it right in our show. Yeah, I'm a snoop for that kind of stuff. And in fact, on my blog, uh, you, can't, um, you can't search it that way. Uh, I didn't make an overarching search. Maybe I should put a category in there called uh, News of the Weird or something. Yeah. Uh, but but I frequently will post stories about things that I know, you know, that are for the, the real deal. People they happen to people I know or what have you, uh, of things that just are. How could that be? But you know, it is. So uh-huh. uh, I, I love those things because they tell us that we have to rethink our uh, our, our opinions and our uh, definitions of, of of our worldview. You know, right. our worldview is very much based on science. My my end of the show is the paranormal side, so I mean, uh, <laughs> I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, you're not you're not arguing with me. I've right. seen photos and heard things and heard stories that just you know defy belief. They do, and it just attests to the fact that there's other layers of uh, interconnection that we're all. It's a oneness out there. It's not all separate competing aspects, although it's you know another level it is. But beyond that, there's a oneness where you know that sort of famous thing that if a butterfly bats its wings in China, we feel it in America. But, you know, there's whatever. There's something going on (laughs) where we really are in a a layer of interpenetration. And that's why you got the particles and the waves. Uh, Don't ask me too much, you know, but, you know, uh, it's or or they've got um, the paranormal people have, you must know, experiments where they've got electrons that are merged and then they separate them and they still connect to one another even though they're, you know, way far apart. Mm-hmm. And remote viewing and, you know, how can we see things that we can't see? Well, 
If you're sensitive, you can. Well, that's like twins, too. Some twins know exactly what each other's doing, no matter where they're at. Uh, I have identical twin children. I can attest to that. Yeah, so you, you know about that, then. <laughs> I know about that. Right. Right. We had a little ESP machine. Of, um, at one point, we were fiddling it around with funny little mechanisms, just playing some games, looking to see if we were going to put together a cafe with all kinds of strange things in it. And we had a little ESP machine that uh, one person stood on one side and a thought and then lights and somebody on the other side. My twins were good at that. <laughs> they got uh, hits all the time. I'm actually fascinated by that. I've read so many articles that said twins can actually feel each other's pain and yeah. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Very, it's funny, well, yeah, my twins are quite connected, right? Very trippy. I got it in my own household, so. Oh, that's good. Yeah, on the, I had a question for you. Are there scientists that say they know what does crop circles? You know, they're trying to say it's just whirlwinds or junk like that. You know, there they used to be um, suggestions or theories or whatever of things like weather phenomena and whatever. But as time went on and those things were uh, checked out, nothing checked out. And the only thing they're down to now, even as a possibility, real. I mean, you're going to get people saying, oh, it's lasers and it's satellites. No, no, it won't work that way. I have that posted on my uh, blog uh -huh. also, why those things scientifically wouldn't work. Uh, but the only thing that's left as an alternative to genuine mystery is people. Uh, right. So you've just got an argument between the fact that there's a real phenomenon and the fact that, no, no, it's all been done by people all along. Well, I That's saw something somewhere that said they said it was whirlwinds, and I'm thinking, like, well, th that would work fine for a perfect circle by itself. But right, that was old. beautiful patterns, you know, it couldn't happen. That, that was one of the original theories, and uh, it, there was somebody who was actually quite accomplished in the trying to remember which of the people's names, I, I think he has since died, but um, he, he clung as long as he could to the idea that it was a weather phenomenon until finally in 1989, there was a particular formation that was divided, it was a circle uh, with a ring around it. First of all, um, no, let's just talk about the circle. Uh, <laughs> the circle was divided into four quadrants and each quadrant, the, the crop was going a different direction. So, I mean, immediately it was like, oh, no more whirlwinds. <laughs> whirlwinds went out smart the, whirlwind. <laughs> yes, whirlwinds went out the window on that one. It had kind of gone out before that, but that was the killer. I mean, that was the, the blow to the whirlwind theory. Well, I just laughed when I saw that because the, the crop circles you see now, a wind couldn't do that. Just, I mean, it's not possible. Well, listen, you can laugh at more recent things because did you see... What swept through the net, first of all, there were two things at about the same time. One was this physics uh, group put out this microwave story that, in fact, Michio Kaku, who I thought was our guy, yeah. was on Fox News telling that story. That it's, oh, the crop circles are made by these devices, micro... And even the interviewer said, what? <laughs> she, she was, like, incredulous. She said, you really think that's what I... <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I lost a lot of respect for him. I, I just thought he was that. a great guy, and I heard him say something that I was thinking the same thing, like... Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. But at the same... T right around the same time that story was sweeping through the net with this physics thing, um, the, there was another story out of... Uh, Australia, New Zealand, whatever, that it was drunken 
Uh, I think they were eating mushrooms, actually. I don't think they were drunk. They were eating magic mushrooms. Uh, it was wallabies in one set of stories and kangaroos in another. And they walked around in circles after that, and that's what made crop service. That was a serious story that was oh circulating. <laughs> I mean, you looked at it, I thought, I love these stories. They're so ridiculous that maybe the observer, the reader, We'll look at these and say, wait a minute, maybe there is something to these crop circles. These stories about how they get hoaxed are too ridiculous. So I thought maybe that those might have backfired and actually helped us. Well, isn't it true, though? A lot of them have uh, geometrical designs and mathematical equations like in them. Absolutely. And very sophisticated geometry. Some really master designer is working these things up. And uh, they, 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 they are just... Um, fascinating for how they have actually uh, worked with geometry because it's not just sophisticated geometry there are there are how would we call it I, I, I guess maybe artistic is maybe the best word um, for instance I'll give you an example there are pattern groups one of the pattern groups is fractals there are a lot of circles or formations that express the idea of fractals now fractals are an infinite patterning. It, you can't stop them. That's the whole idea of them. Uh -huh. They're infinitely replicating. They go out forever. Um, well, how a crop circle is finite. Where will you stop it? How do you stop it? Because inherent in being a fractal is this infinite nature. Well, they've translated that to very interesting, artful ways to express the fact that they've closed them off. And, um, and, it's, and they really were decisions, art decisions, design decisions that were made in order to do that. Well, those are decisions. Some great mind is deciding these things. Right. And it wasn't kangaroos on drugs. <laughs> no, 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 not hardly. Not, but, but not to mention the incredible sophistication of the inherent geometry in these things where, in fact, in the movie you saw that we show you mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, on a computer where there's this fabulous website where this guy recreates uh, all a lot of the um, how the design was developed. He always starts with a circle, the, the ones that are geometric, which is most of them, but not all. But anyway, he starts with a circle, and then every step is what the next um, thing you do with your compass and your straight edge to build up to finally where what you would do is you would have to erase a lot of those lines you created and what's left is the pattern of the circle and the one that we show you is typical of them we don't show you every step because it would make the movie longer than we're boring. allowed to make the movie and boring uh, because but what we tell you is we show you the first few steps and the last few and there are 50 steps um, so that's how complicated it is to come up with one of these uh, really uh, complex designs and I love looking at that particular site uh, because they're very different very different methodologies, different expressions, different whatever, but all so interesting of how they get uh, developed by this geometric process. Have they They're, ever found a uh, like a partial crop circle, one that was never finished, or has one been made and like the next day it's been added onto or anything? Well, indeed, there are several examples of ones that have come in in more than one day. Three days is the max, but we would presume those are the hoaxed ones. And that yeah. the hoaxer didn't finish them. So, um, you know, we haven't got the definitive uh, science unless we could afford to do 
the very sophisticated scientific experiments that have been done on some of them when they did have funding. You know, Lawrence Rockefeller was a aficionado of UFOs and crop circles, one of the Rockefeller family, and um, who uh, unfortunately, well, he was quite quite old, but he finally did die. But he was funding a lot of those expensive studies. I mean, you know, nobody in this crop circle world is is particularly rich, and we strangely enough. But strangely enough, don't you think it's funny that it? Maybe you don't even know this. I don't know if you, how much how much familiar you are with all the crop circle stuff, but. We do not have one celebrity who has taken any interest in the circles. To the best of my knowledge, they've never even visited them. Oh, we and got I, you. Yeah, but you know, a movie star. You know, <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, am, am I Tom Cruise or, you know, am I Reese Witherspoon? You know, no, no. Who would I like to be? I would like to be um, Meryl Streep. Oh, there you, you know, go. I, yeah. Okay. Well, there are, are there so, any places? Well, I know England's a hotbed for these, but are there any places where? They almost always get them, like in one particular field or one place. Well, there is a there. The only place I think that you could count on is in Holland, in the Netherlands. And in the Netherlands, there's um, a particular person who is very unique. Robert, what is Robert's Borman? Is that his last name? Robert with two B's, um, and he. Um, can tell you when a crop circle is going to come near him. And, you you know, you're there, there you are, and, oh, son of a gun, a crop circle comes. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he has many abilities in this psychic realm, you might say. Mm-hmm. But but we do get a lot of crop circles around him. He You know, his where, where he is over there is a hot spot uh, for crop circles. Um but there are fascinating stories uh, uh, that, that Robert, uh, I mean, we could do a whole program on Robert. The paranormal, in fact, you should maybe, you know, you know who you should have on? Um, our American contact with Robert is the science person. If, we, if she were not there, we wouldn't have our science. Uh-huh. It's Nancy Talbot. And um, she, uh, it's bltresearch.com where all the science information and papers are. And you can read about Robert there, too. I'll have to uh, look into that. Do look it up, BLT, bacon, lettuce, tomato, research.com. Uh, and what this Robert guy uh, is open to, capable of, uh, does, is fascinating. I mean, I don't know. He got singled out somehow, and blessings that crop circles are one of his categories. Well, if, but, if people ever put cameras, you know, out there or around them to try to, I'm, I'm sure somebody has, but, you know, to try to catch it in action. Well, they haven't around Robert, to the best of my knowledge, but they used to do that in England. Uh, they had a couple of major, there, there, there's a particular field in England that has had probably most and be, every summer it gets uh, more than one. And um, it was the one that had the very first uh, crop circle that got the world's attention that's actually on the cover of my What on Earth uh, movie DVD. Uh, I put it on there because it was the pivotal circle that got the world's attention. And it's not a circle. It's the first time that a formation was not uh, a circle, but it had other shapes in its straight line and uh, several other shapes as well. And that got the world press. That got attention. And that was in that field. And ever since then... Uh, every year, that field has had one or more hits. So when they've mounted, uh, there were a couple of years 
where they mounted uh, watches and by, by, by significant auspices like the BBC, mm -hmm. uh, Japanese television. And, but then funny things happened. Uh, one thing that happened was that they, I think the watch was for three weeks. Uh, when they left the day after that, they got a circle. Yeah, then they had another <laughs> situation where the next field beyond their capacity to pick it up got a circle. Then there was another where a mist came in, everything got really foggy, no motion sensors went off, they had it all rigged, nothing, nothing. The mist lifted, there was a circle. So it's like, but <laughs> the circle makers, our little friends from wherever, do seem to have a winky sense of humor, <laughs> and they are playing with us, and they are engaging us. There is a back and forth of sorts going on. That's right. Uh, where we show you in the movie, there, are, there have been meditations where people have meditated asking for a particular shape and the next day, whatever, there's that shape. Yeah, actually, I saw that. I've never seen that before. That was kind of amazing. You know, I was somewhat reluctant to put things like that in the movie because I thought, oh, this is going to make it sound woo-woo. Except I, the ones that I used were people I knew who were party to these um, situations. So I knew for sure this wasn't third-hand information that, you know, somebody, like 10,000 crop circles, you know. Uh, this this yeah. is information that somebody I knew had participated in something and at least satisfied me that I could stand on very strong ground and put these things in there. Have and you know tried to do that? I actually never one. have. I've never been part of a group that's done that. never had a big field that says Susanna? <laughs> oh, and my house, unfortunately, has a brick patio and a swimming pool, so we, we can't get one here either. But... Uh, <laughs> And it's not, we wouldn't want to tell your, the listeners that it's like every time you do that, you, you know, it would work. But it has worked enough so that it's not once either, you know, and we can report and say, hey, this does happen, you know. And then there are funny little things, like one of the people in the movie tells a story about her particular involvement with the circles and out of the blue. And she lived in, an, uh, in the back country in California, actually, in Santa Cruz. And when she got back from her first crop circle talk, there was a crop circle in her backyard and I said to her I said well did 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 um, did people come around I mean did it become a tourist attraction she said tourists I'm in the middle of nowhere <laughs> she said it was for me it was just for me That's so funny. yeah so they but they do that you know they're like tuned into our wavelength of where we're thinking crop circles and um, they can let's say read our minds or respond to our minds and uh, it we just had too much evidence of it to dismiss it and um, uh, you know as I said a little nervous that'll make people think oh come on but I know these things have happened so yeah, that actually adds a little creep factor to it when you think that they actually know what you're thinking <laughs> yeah yeah, but it doesn't seem like they know everything they just maybe know our crop circle thoughts you know <laughs> and they're not mean whatsoever I mean they're just drawing beautiful pictures totally sweet that also gives you the confidence that whatever is doing this phenomenon is um you know well intended uh there's nothing creepy there's nothing ominous uh and they're dealing in beauty so whatever the source of this is you, you know you you could presume that it's pretty lovely you know but wasn't that one crop circle had dna in it or something i mean the actual picture was a dna strand or something like that Yes, that was in 1996, and it was two intersecting spirals of um, uh, circles on them. And one of the interesting things about that is I think it was the first time that they've messed around with um, perspective 
mm-hmm. if that's what it's called, or 3D. I'm not sure perspective in 3D would be the same thing. But those circles get bigger and smaller to indicate that they're going, they're wrapping around, that some of them are getting further away from you. It's not that they are for, uh, they're all really the same size. Like except a 3D the, effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you very much get the idea that they're wrapping around each other. But that's yet another, you know, they keep adding tricks or or uh, art tricks you know like i told you they figured out how to cap off um the fractals well mm-hmm. they figured the those things are because bigger and smaller things elements are in the formation they've also got it so that on a sunny day if you're flying over some of the formations depending on how they went one direction then they went another direction in the different uh, parts of it where mm-hmm. they actually will look like 3D. It will look like uh, some turret is coming out and standing up, oh, uh, but cool. it's actually flat. But it's because of how the sun is hitting the laid crop. So yet another little trick that uh, they figured out how to, how to use. Well, was that the DNA one or another one that I read that actually was it broken off or bent at different heights too to give you more of a three-dimensional look? Well... I haven't heard about three-dimensional look, but there is something that's quite interesting because the hoaxers, are, you know, you're always looking to ascertain that there's a real phenomenon. That's, you Correct. know, the sort of through line of, uh, it's a shame we have to argue about that all the time and don't just look at the miracle and try to work with that. But anyway, we're always defending or arguing or whatever. And um, so um, one of the things that has occurred in infrequently but has occurred is that the... Um, crop usually is bent over at the first node, which is quite close to the ground. Mm -hmm. But there have been some that have bent at the second node, which is maybe a foot off the ground. So there you are, you know, and you've got a foot of air between uh, the ground and this horizontal uh, uh, grain uh, because it's bent at the second node. And I thought, oh, yeah, the hoax are sure with the boards that stomp them down. And well, yeah, squish they're all at one level, down. and they're flattened when they do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that yet another piece of evidence that something uh, beyond people is uh, making these things. So you know a lot about crop servers. You know to ask the right question, right, where you got a good memory, you know. <laughs> well, plus good. I do have some notes, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Well, but you know what you're talking about. This is good. This is very good. You know, I I know I read somewhere that one of them was at multiple heights. And if you looked from it, it gave it a 3D. I was thinking it was that one with the DNA, though. I do recall they said it was all kinds of heights. And you could only really see the true image if you were from an airplane. Well, wait a minute now. What, what What could that be? I've never heard about it heights. But you have, for instance, your... um face, the one that looks like a face uh, that was in the field with the well, message. Well, that's an amazing one, too. <laughs> well, that's dot matrix. That's another way of making a picture, and that's the way the new, newsprint works that, with that, little, that's little the dots. That's yeah. the one. So it the was dots, a dot matrix, and they, they were at different heights to give it a 3D look. I don't think they were different heights. I think they were just different sizes of circles. Uh, so it made it from the air, you could, you could discern that it's a face, but if you were on the ground, all you saw were all these little, all the circles of different... Well, I'll have to look into would. that, I'm sure you will too. But yeah, you no, know what I, it is, is I, you don't know how much you can believe that you read either, it's a problem. <laughs> heights, I don't think Heights had, I was in that one, I don't think Heights had anything to do with it, I think it was just the different, but it was, we've never had one since like that, they've never done another one, it was the only one they ever did with this 
dot matrix where the only way you could discern a shape at all, because on the ground it's hard to really, in a big one, right. it's hard to really know the shape from the geometry, but you can draw it out. And, you know, there are people who are good at that, and before they get up in the air and get a picture, they can, uh, people kind of scope out what, it, they go with one section, and the sections replicate a mandala-like and so they can kind of scope out what the shape is. That one, you had absolutely no way to know what was going on until you got up in the air because oh. it wasn't geometric. It was dependent on the different size of the, the radiuses of the circles, uh, uh, the diameters of the circles, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Do you ever get any, is there any in the Illinois area out here where I'm at? You know, I'd have to look it up, uh, but I, what, well, I, wait a minute. I want to see one, so I take it back. I take it, I take it back. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've been hosting these webinars about crop circles. We're about to, actually, Nancy Talbot is my guest. Uh, to, what day is today? Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday is the See. last one. I would encourage your people to jump in, except they cost money and you have to buy the whole series. So well, you know, none of my people have money. <laughs> well, also, you know, it's only the last one. They'll, they'll sell it less expensively as archives, but you can't yeah. participate live. Uh, but um, one of the people on one of them, the, fir the first one we had, we had our Jeff Wilson, who's absolutely wonderful. He, he teaches physics and astronomy, and he's a real sharp dude. And he's the head of the uh, United States group. And there is a group. There's a very enthusiastic group of uh, researchers in the States. And um, he said, uh, somebody asked, you know, about the states and how many, whatever. And he said they've been in every state but one. So the answer to your Illinois question is yes, they have been in Illinois. I can't tell you how many. But uh, there was every state but one, and then everybody guessed and nobody guessed what the one state was. I, I mean, do you want to guess or you want me to tell uh, you? You know, no, go ahead. <laughs> it's Rhode Island. It's the Rhode only state Island. that hasn't, there's never been a report of a crop circle. I'll right? tell you what, if you hear about one in Illinois, you got my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> really, really. Well, if you know, at this stage of the game, because we do have the internet, we do have you know communication system. Whenever one comes in in the states, it'll never make national news, or at least they haven't. You know, I guess if something was you know the size of Texas, it would make right. national news. But uh, they, they, but they do make local news. There's a lot of local press every time there is one, and. Lot, I mean, lots of interest, lots of questions. Is it, is it kids? Is it, you know, what made this, blah, blah, blah. And then the, um, the United States uh, research team is great. They'll get on planes. I mean, because we get so few, they will track down every single one, and they will take the material into the laboratory, not for extensive reports, mm -hmm. but just, you know, a little uh, surmise from right. evidence uh, of wh whether the uh, parameters are there to presume that it's the real deal or if they can tell that it's a fake thing. Um, but we haven't, hardly, we haven't hardly had any in the last couple of years. Years before, we had more. And, and in fact, when I heard the statistic, God, I'm thinking it was something like over all the years, and it does go way back, it was hundreds. There have been hundreds in the States. I'm, I'm wanting to say 700, but even as I say it, it sounds like too many. Um, but there have been hundreds and whatever. He, Jeff would be able to tell you more accurately. But it hasn't just been a few. It's one of these subjects I'm fascinated by, but yet I've never been able to see one or touch one. And I really want to see one one of these days. You know, we also have all over the uh, country, probably the world, stone circles. We don't hear about those either. Stone circles? Uh, oh, yeah. There's lots of them. In fact, I just saw a video um, 
of stone circles all over New England, I think. Uh, and they go back. They're, they're way, way old. Uh, but we never hear about those. And there are pyramids all over the world also. Yeah, I have heard about that. There's pyramids. Uh, if you look from certain ways, you can see them like in farmer's fields, and they're all over the place. They're all over the place, really. Uh, we don't, you know what I start to think sometimes? I think, you know, all of that stuff and more should be investigated. Isn't oh, it I ridiculous? <laughs> Isn't it ridiculous? We have all these artifacts, all these uh, leftovers from our ancient past, and they just sit there. We don't, and we make wars. That, that, that we put Well, you just we took the words money. out of my mouth. I was just going to yeah, say we, make, we spend billions on wars. Yeah, we kill each other instead of trying to figure out where we came from, what's going on, what the story is. I, I think That's ridiculous. Oh, God, the world is so out of balance, really. I know. <laughs> really. I, I agree a hundred percent. Right. Well, anything person would agree really i don't know i don't know i get it's a system though you know you get the system we're about we've got a money-based system and when you have a money-based system um it lets you develop a lot of things and it also tears the world apart because the rich get richer and the poor get poorer and there isn't any compassion that sees us as one you know, so we have short-range profit that we're after, not long-range sustainability, and all the ills come from the, the system that we're in. And the reason that I'm so enthusiastic about the circles is because it would get at our basic uh, thought form. Uh, you know, as we try to fix all the challenges that face us, it's fingers in the dike because all of them are being held in place by our belief system, by our worldview. Uh, and until we change the fundamentals, then we can really re-examine everything. Uh, but until then, boy, it's tough going to uh, to really make inroads into uh, the the into the entrenchment that we're in in the way we think it is. You know, yeah, things seem to be getting worse now too. The current events are really terrible worldwide. Well, at least everybody knows we're in trouble. You know, uh, in years past, I think we're you know, kind of things that you and I are speaking about, we would be mocked because, you know, for rocking this or, happy or, or stoned or burned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everybody knows we're in trouble now. So at least, you know, there's a certain amount of openness uh, out of desperation. You know, where are we going? What are we doing? And then, of course, there are your other perspectives on history that would point to cycles where, in fact, breakdown precedes breakthrough it's when it gets bad enough that things do change so you know that's one of the ways we might see our time now that things are just so imploded and so impossible that um, you know either either your civilization gets destroyed or it transmutes and it changes uh, so and and, and uh, you know at this point uh, we're at that point <laughs> we're, we're, we're and we're dangerous you know we really can destroy this uh, so I don't know that we, we we haven't really had as good a capacity to do that in the past. So no, we got a beautiful planet with all these resources, and we destroy it and kill each other. Isn't this just awful, really? I mean, we could you know go on and on about that. Oh, I know that's a whole another show. Well, thank you very much, Suzanne Taylor, everybody, and you can check out her links. They're posted on ufo-info.com if you're more interested in this topic. We'll be right back. You're listening to Threshold Radio. The 
edgeonair.com and Thresholds into Other Realms present Thresholds Radio, a weekly show dedicated to all things paranormal. Join your hosts Sam Moranto, John Stevenson, and Anthony Cop Fridays from 10 to 11 p.m. for an expedition beyond your most unexplainable dreams. With new guests every week, Thresholds Radio will bend your views on reality. That's Friday nights 10 to 11 on the edgeonair.com. For more info on Thresholds Radio, visit ufo-info.com. With the month of October and Halloween fast approaching, we want you, the listener, to share your creepy stories with us. Call us, email us, text us your personal story, your local legends, and folklore. Every week in October, we'll read your story on air. You can even read it yourself if you're not afraid. Call or text us at 708-966-9UFO, 708-966-9836, or email John directly at ghost1 at bachelors-grove.com. Thank you, and we look forward to your stories. Thank you for listening to Threshold Radio. We'll be back next week on theedgeonair.com from 10 to 11. That's Friday nights, 10 to 11 on theedgeonair.com. If you can't make that, Sunday nights, 7.30, right here on ufo-info.com. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week. Don't forget, we got the Chicago Ghost Conference coming up, and we're going to be there with The Edge on October 1st. So we hope to see you there. So good night. I put a spell on